0: <laughs> to think that picture and that's the cover of my episode um, is was taken almost 22 years ago is <laughs> so perplexing in so many ways to know that I was there and if I look at that photo it can take me back to being in the industry you know being in the business having started in like February of 2000 and up to that point, you know, I'm teaming up with Paul London, who I know is uh, special, and um, has humbled me and gotten in my head and uh, helped me see my limitations. I, I mean that in the best possible way. Um, and Darren Childs, you know that we he would go on to go on to do what he's done in the industry you know, with anarchy and whatnot. But to think, man, almost 22 years ago, or if I take myself back to to now, I think I've already debuted, already had my debut match. I'd been probably training for about eight weeks, so about two months. Um, I hadn't suffered my first, you know, major injury yet. but I think shortly, shortly thereafter, I would, I would suffer like a shoulder injury of all, of all things. Um, oh, before I continue, thank you for taking the time to uh, listen to this. Um, this might be recorded over a couple of days. I'm getting over something, um, like a sinus infection. It's pretty gnarly. Uh, It's done a number on my throat, so I'm, you know, trying to see. Okay, and I wanted to do this over the weekend because my, you know, in essence, anniversary of my debut match. Um. Just hit the the twenty two year mark, so it's like wow, it's around this time. It's always kind of oh, the start of the career, and in some respects, you know, some of the stuff that's occurred over my career around this time frame is always something. so um, and I know I'm not gonna go too in depth with any particular time period because we're talking about 22 years. Um, but this also might be recorded over a couple of time, days because as I' as I mentioned, I'm trying to get my voice back for the most part, not necessarily my voice, but my throat. Um, so yeah. Back to this picture, um, shortly after my debut, I debuted for the company CTPW, which, you know, was a major milestone for me because when I came in to check out the facility, the training facility on Burnett in Austin, Texas, um, this little kind of in a, in a warehouse district, so to speak, you know, a lot of big doors and whatnot, where ringing a room type of situation, but, uh, really taught me the fundamentals and whatnot. Um, and really these long lasting, you know, life altering, uh, lessons of of how to do things. Um, and those early, you know, bumps and those early routines and, uh, the repetition and also being kind of, uh, kind of put in the fear of what could happen to you if you didn't, you know, follow protocol and didn't follow the rules, you know, if you didn't pay your dues, you know, being blackballed or something like that. Like, oh man, I remember Ray Campos telling me that and me taking it to heart. Like, okay, I'll have to work two jobs. Won't, won't matter. You know, I'm I'm going to be here uh, as much as humanly possible. I want it to, you know, get as good as humanly possible, as quickly as humanly possible. Um having Russell Simpson there kind of guy who's you know an unsung part of the you know part of the foundation at Texas at least you know from the 2000s on you know at least he was 6 months more had 6 months more experience than i and what i would learn is kind of the cycle of a professional wrestler trainee is you do it for the first you know few months and you get acclimated and then a new Proper students shows up, and you are now a teacher or teacher's assistant for the most part because you know the mechanics, and it's kind of put in your brain like that's the only way you are going to get better is like regurgitating them, regurgitating those bumps, the breakdowns of the bump, and um. So I'll always owe old, old George Bill Isla and Ray Campos like the a tremendous debt of gratitude for laying that foundation for me. And Russell, without Russell, you know, I may not have come back after the first year, which I'll get into in a minute, but Russell was paramount in my, me getting acclimated to bumping and learning it properly and, you know, coming in and really teaching me the ropes and uh, legitimately, you know, and Literally, figuratively, like the whole thing, you know, really helping me open my eyes to how to, you know, technique. And I always just thought Russell was phenomenal. We always kind of joked that he was, you know, Wolverine and also had a time machine because he could always kind of, um, he could always manipulate time so that there was never a fuck up in a match, um. That's always how he believed it. Like he could always course correct it. Um, he was just phenomenal uh, and um, instrumental throughout uh, plenty of projects in my whole life. Like he became a lifelong friend. Um, and I miss that guy. There, there's not a day that goes by because we were, he and uh, my himself, myself, and... Uh, Devastator, you know, early on Uh, from a traveling standpoint. Once I started traveling, it was with them, but we'll get to that in a second. Because at this point, um, the picture at least, you know, Paul was my first, like, legitimate tag partner before him. There was a Paul Powers, but he was going to mainly be the top, the main star, and I was going to be his sidekick, so to speak. And we had a valet, and then a second valet, I I don't know why, uh, they really bought into the beautiful people and, uh, precious Paul powers and sexy Steve DeMarco and, uh, but it was short-lived as many things at that point were storylines and whatnot, but then the kids click or beautiful people kind of evolved. We lost Paul powers, but then we gained like, um, Scotty and you know, what was a kid's clique became the beautiful people. And it was great having Darren, even though he was hurt a lot, but it was great. Like just picking his brain. And We all him, you know, Paul, myself and, and Darren had, had these talks about wrestling and like what we're being taught. And Paul was really ambitious as far as like he had even came when he showed up. I've been training only a few months by that point, And it already had a few matches. Um, But when he came in, that kind of changed just kind of the the mood of training. Now, I had someone that I could really train with, but someone, you know, athletically was far my superior, you know, really agile. Like, Russell and I could could probably match Russell from a physicality standpoint, but Paul, I just looked at him like he was from another planet because he was this good-looking dude who had immense charisma and also... Like, kind of had a fearlessness about himself and then also um, just gifted, you know, from an agility standpoint. He would do things. and I was like, man, I really wish I just had an ounce of what Paul has uh, from an agility standpoint. Like, I tried. couldn't keep up for the longest time. I don't think until, like, I got to PCW did I get real consistent with that or hand springing at some point, springboarding. But at that point, I wasn't doing that stuff. And it was good in a way because Paul, he became that, and that's what he wanted to be. Um, but it gave me, like, well, I just need to be a better, a bigger character. I need, to be, uh, I need to match his abilities and his charisma with my own charisma and, like, my skills and this, that, the other. And it really pushed me to, to find a way to be to not have to compete with him for us to all be seen as equals, but at the same time be seen as like top tier talent. And I think we had this belief in ourselves um, that really pushed us at least early on. Um, Paul London would also be the person that initially probably shortly after, it was like November, a series of events occurred to me as far as like injuries, freak accidents and kind of the, the part of the industry that, you know, like when things don't really quite work out and you, you realize what level you're at and you realize where you kind of need to go. Um, Paul and I had a handful of matches. Paul was always, um, I always psych myself out with Paul. There was only one time outside of practice stuff. There's one time we, we were actually trying out for Rudy Boy Gonzalez and TWA. Uh, and I quickly say this because of where my mind was at at that point. We go, it's, you know, I think at that point I'm six months in. It's shortly before this picture's taken. And uh, TWA is uh, Texas wrestling association, uh, Shawn Michael's school, but at that point, Sean is, uh, I think he's gone back or he's going back. He's no longer part of it. So Rudy's kind of taken over it. And now he's running shows and we want to be on shows because he's going to have better talent, you know, and we're, again, wanting to rise to the occasion. And we proceed to go have this practice match and kind of a tryout match in front of Rudy. And we actually have a pretty solid match. We pit all our points. I can kind of keep up with Paul at that point. Not so much when we perform, whether I get knocked out or get kind of knocked loopy or just psych myself out. But in that day, I thought we did fairly well. And I was in, in you know, kind of this selling, but we were hitting everything and hitting kicks after kick after kick. Uh, I think we finished with a super kick spot where we both hit it. Um, but I got wise up to like, well, from a psychology standpoint, we had lots of work to do. And so I wanted to focus on that. I also remember being like, you know, him saying, well, you could come to the next show and have a tryout match there. And, you know, oh, so we wouldn't get paid, kind of be a dark match thing. And I think at that point I was like, being told by my, you know, my trainers not to, to work for free, that it would diminish your, your value, especially if they're paying you, but then you decide to go somewhere else and you're not going to get paid by them. And what does that say? And what if it comes out and, you know, and that's what was in my head at the time. So I didn't, you know, this is before they started going to ring of honor. And I think back like, Oh man, if I had followed Paul and, gone and who knows, right? But you can't really change it. But I think that was one of the first times where I, like, decided eh, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. Because um, I think I may have had a match with Paul shortly thereafter and it wasn't... I didn't rise to the occasion as far as I was concerned. Um, I think it messed with me. And then I got hurt in practice during the practice match with Paul. Like, his elbow was just there and I didn't turn quick enough and caught me. I remember Darren taking me to the emergency and staying with me through it. Um, I only got like four or five stitches or something like that. But at the time it was like, oh, so, you know, my jaw starts to have a couple of problems that have, there'd been something going on before it that just kind of caused it to, to get me a little worse. And then I think in December... We didn't have a venue. We talked about doing a show at the school. It froze. They decided they didn't want to do the show, and I was like, "I'm done." I just kind of was like, "I was fed up. I was done." You know, it was kind of like that, you know, eleventh-hour decision day before show. You know, it just didn't seem like it'd be f- feasible to do it. Uh, we'd be putting ourselves in danger, but I just wanted to wrestle, and it was like, "I'm staying lo- loyal to this company," and we're not progressing and man, I'm done. I was hurt, you know, shoulder this, that, the other. I was already kind of like doubting it. Um, so within 10 months and I remember getting through the, through the training and being one of the only ones that stuck. I think that me and one other person stuck and it was a fairly decent sized class, like 12, 13 people. I think we were, you know, we went through a gauntlet, this, that, the other, you know, um, I learned a lot of lessons in those early days. Paul and Darren and that old kid's click time, like, man, magical when I look back at it. And uh, the only thing I wish is, uh, you know, whether it was to go to Ring of Honor, but just to be able to film some of that stuff. Um, I say that and I'm like, well, I have a device that does it and, and yet I don't film enough. But yeah, I think, oh, I, I, maybe I should have followed Paul. But I was already a little slightly burned out. I'd find <clears throat> I would get burned out. It's like every year or so, I, I think I would need a break. And I ended up taking, like, probably what amounted to a three-month break. Um, but yeah, I remember getting, you know, rather upset. And uh, again, doubt, kind of doubting myself in some respects and, like, burnt out and, Uh, I should have probably done the ring of honor thing. I think in 2000, you know, right when they're starting. I can only imagine, oh man, what would have become of me if I had gone there? But again, um, I ended up taking a break, started dating someone, and really kind of enjoyed the break. My body probably needed it. Um, I didn't really know, you know, if it was something I wanted to do, but I, I missed it. And, you know, Paul would hit me up, Darren would hit me up, I think, and uh, then Russell hit me up and was like, man, you got a real talent, like, don't waste it. And I think that's all I needed to hear was, like, he saw something, uh, because I really valued his opinion. I felt like his opinion also mirrored what George and Ray thought. And I knew they held me in some high regard, but again, you know, I was frustrated and came back and they kind of made me an important deal. And they had really made the rest of the kids' clique at that point probably, like, big deals. I think Paul was a dual champion, and, um, you know, and he was venturing out. Like, I mean, he was already kind of starting to do. He was, you know, going to make it. Um, I believed it. You know, wholeheartedly, you know, he had an immense drive. And and constantly, at least initially, it was like, you should, I'm going to go here. You should, like, find a way. I'm going to go to Dory Funk's. You should find a way. But I doubted myself. And when I came back initially, you know, it was like, I just wanted to get better and get to where I felt like Paul's level was. Because I felt like, well, if I could get to his level then, By all means, you know, if I can get there, um, by all means, then hopefully they'll take a look. Um, And that's what I proceeded to do, but also CTPW as a company started to really put me at the forefront. Um, And so, probably within, I think I returned in March, and by June, I was going for the title. I think I fought um, my debut match was against Flaming Rose. Um, and this was by far the better contest. I mean, obviously my debut, I think I hit a bunch of moves, hit him with a bunch of finishers, kept picking him up. Uh, got got a great psychology lesson that, you know, shortly after my match by um, like Tito San- Sanchez and El Latino and Um, they really pulled me aside and kind of gave me a, you know, quick like wrestling psychology and storytelling lesson. And it was really paramount. And we kind of started to grasp what the concept was. And by far the match a year later with Flaming Rose was a different scenario altogether. I had, my confidence was pretty good. You know, that debut match wasn't even supposed to happen. I just happened to take my gear, which was a golden rule. Um, I wasn't supposed to debut until like Rockdale, maybe a, couple of weeks later. So this was a good opportunity. And so a year later, oh, and now we're being filmed. We're at a, we're at a venue and, uh, I'm going to get the win and, uh, get to be a showcase. And I thought, you know, I tried to find gear where you could, which was like, I didn't want to wear wrestling gear. I wanted to outside the box because i you know saw the hardys and a few others and i thought no oh, that's that's what i want to do i don't want to wear tights like i didn't have a belief that i needed to be showing my legs uh, or trunks no definitely not going to happen not at that point and I, again i wanted to wear like i just wanted to have my own kind of spin on it And maybe I was a bit body conscious, so I wanted to kind of cover myself up, at least initially. You know, I tried to find stuff. Um, I think I would find gear eventually, whether a promoter would give me some hand-me-downs or uh, I'd go to Mexico and get some quick, like, um, singlets made, like, you know, kind of lucha-style singlets, which were kind of cool and, like, made pretty quickly. Uh, But before that, you know, it's like, didn't have wrestling boots because I didn't have a bootmaker. Um, filming was, I mean, we did public access, but we didn't really film a lot. Of Although CTPW, that company, or those those people like George and Ray and a few others had done a, I had seen something, I think when I was in college, uh, my first stint in Austin, and I thought, man, I, I wish I could do that. And so that planted the seed, because I think I saw Weekender and I remembered some of the some of the main players like George and Ray and a few others. And then like a year into my career while working with them, you know, uh, and that being my home school and whatnot. And um, they worked with me, whereas uh, any other place, like Shawn Michaels was a place I could have gone to, you know, as I backtracked a little bit. But um, I didn't go there because I didn't have all the money uh, up front. I think you needed all the money before you stepped foot in the ring and CTPW was the opposite. They were like, we'll work with you. You put so much down and then just give us so much a month. I was like, works for me. Um, So yeah, again, gear, didn't know of a gear maker at that point. Um, So I just made do with what I could find. Uh, You know, high spots was a thing, but I think I ended up getting kick pads from them. Uh, like RBD's inspired some and, you know, I, but again, I looked at the Hardys and was like, Oh, I could, that's, that's a look, you know, and I can kind of cover myself up. Um, cause I didn't think I needed to show a lot. Um, plus I wasn't as confident sadly, um, at least early on. I think that's always been the case. I've always been like really body conscious. Um, so, yeah, I quit. Russell tells me, man, you should come back. Then a year later, you facing Flaming Rose. That's on film at, you know, somewhere. They've got footage of that, and it's a, f- a favorite of mine. Flaming Rose was always a consummate professional with me and always a great brother and uh, taught me a lot and really took great care of me and um, at the same time kind of taught me respect non-verbally, and I'll always be indebted to him. Um then in the summer they decided <clears throat> they wanted to put the title on me. And um, you know, that gave me the opportunity to work with Rodney Mack for the first time. Uh, one of only I think I think two matches we've we've had total in our careers. Only a couple times that we've really crossed paths. Um I <laughs> I thought I'd broke my foot. Uh, a week prior against flaming rose of all people like i hit a super kick and he kind of fell into my ankle and i was uh, majorly concerned if i was going to be able to be on the this show where i'm going to win the title um and Rodney was passing awesome and pro and took really good care of me and put me over proper and at the same time didn't didn't look like a punk you know like he he served himself well and he was red dog you know doing ecw stuff and you know i was in i respected that dude uh, i also remember i think it was kevin douglas and trinity who were part of pcw mentioning pcw for the first time and were like man you should come check it out you know they were up in the metroplex and that was the first time i heard about them i also remember working like mick tierney who had who had worked developmental and worked Kurt Angle in like his early, early development developmental days. i worked him a few times and was like an MMA guy and uh kind of kind of gave us some inside info, you know, about what to expect if you did get signed and, you know, what his experience had been with developmental and whatnot. But at the same time like another consummate pro. Um but Rodney, you know, winning the title for that for the company, that was yeah, especially since I kind of thrown a tirade and and uh, walked away. That was a, a big vote of confidence. And I remained with them. And I think in part, they wanted to reward me, but also keep me close. Um, all the while, Paul's like, you need to go here, here, and here. And I was still slightly reluctant because I was like, well, I need to get my reps. I need to get quality reps. I didn't realize like, well, maybe I should go on to the East Coast and kind of learn that style. And uh, but I've befriended a few guys that, like Eddie Craven and Lance Hoyt, who worked with us. And again, having Paul and a few others there when we did have them there, and as classes came in, there were more people to work, and I started to develop, you know, a reputation of being a pretty solid worker. And so I think, I think I worked for Toria, and that's when I get gear. Um, and that leads to a few things like going to Mexico, and uh, um, which is a whole nother story. Like there's certain stuff I'm just not talking about probably until I break break these down. That that's the thing. Like I could probably talk about these in chapters and probably expand on, upon a specific time frame. But since we're talking 22 years again, um, but Mexico is a cool, a uh, uh, definite life lesson the few times that I have gone to Mexico, like I've got to work with some quality people like Mystico who would go on to be Sincaro for a brief period. And then I think, you know, he's kind of a lucha legend and a, few, a plenty of lucha legends, you know, Hector Garza, a land lover, we a few others, you know, where I got to share the ring with them or got to share the ring with like Chavo, Chavo Guerrero senior or, um, Again, you know, as I as I progressed, and it became apparent, like, well, I can only learn so much from here at CTPW. I need to kind of expand, if for no other reason than to bring that knowledge down here. You know, I didn't have any, uh, you know, any like, oh, I'm leaving Austin. You know, I had a job, and uh, it was paying the bills, and wrestling was was on an uptick, and I'm starting to get more opportunities, and. Uh, wrestling, you know, certain guys that are making it other places and it's becoming apparent Again, I need to kind of expand. And I think I do a Victoria show and that's where I meet Hernandez, which gets me to EWF, which was this short-lived company, I think, for a year. Um, maybe a little less than a year. It was the hot new wrestling indie. I mean, we were doing, like, I think Sam Houston Race Park was our second show. The first show was, like, at some bar. And I remember Hernandez. I worked Psycho Simpson in a classic, because it's Psycho Simpson. You know, he he guy could be, a you know, basically a robot, and he could control me, you know, just tell me where to be. And, like, I just knew with, with Russell it was always going to be a, a quality time. But I remember distinctly, Uh, Hernandez going like don't worry the pay's already in the envelopes you guys just uh you know do what you do and you're gonna get paid well and it was like all right I mean they sponsors they had some great sponsors that we could you know kind of be treated like VIPs which came in handy you know and was loads of fun that time with like Hernandez and Simpson and um that, those EWA days and the Elite Wrestling Federation, like, we were the elite. That's how we saw it. We were the best thing in Texas. You know, it was me, Hernandez, uh, Devastator, Instant Heat, Psycho Simpson. And we were kind of the, uh, along with a few others like Mike Thunder and Fast Eddie and... uh you know, bringing in names, like they bring in Terry Funk, one first show and he wrestled Hernandez and I got to wrestle Vampiro and Nowinski and got to go over on those guys, and, which was a big, not only feather in my cap, but it also elevated my status, not so much. I mean, I, you know, I remember one of the first, um, like outside that kind of comfort zone of VWF uh, was I think uh, Legacy, Wrestling entertainment, uh, this this infamous show, which featured uh, Salmon versus Chris Candido, with uh, with Sunny in Candido's corner, um, and the highlight or low light uh, indicative of of the show really is that um, Salmon thought Chris Candido had thrown a beer at him and threw it and nearly missed it a baby's a baby scroller with a baby in it. Like, nearly. Like, within inches. Um, and that was... Uh, but, you know, I think I was in the six man. But it was also proof, like, uh, I've got a ways to go to get to the levels of, like, an AJ Styles with Paul. I mean, by that point, Paul's on another level. And I'm just trying to catch up. I'm probably like six months behind, so to speak. You know, because I had taken some, some time off. And he was going places so he was gaining some great experience, you know, with international people and going to Ring of Honor. And meanwhile, I'm trying to find my way. Um, and Hernandez kind of sees something in me that perpetuates him bringing me into this fold and this group. And being part of EWF was paramount in my uh, maturation. And it also gave me opportunities, you know. Ken Taylor would have never utilized me until I beat Vampiro and Christopher Nowinski uh, at EWF, and then he was like, all right. Um, now wrestle wrestled Mike Fox for the first time in, in an epic match, which featured instant heat, him going with instant heat, and me going with his valet. Um, but it was the first time he you know, you really learned about wrestling politics, where I'm the Texas heavyweight champion of NWA, and Fox is the... PCW champion, and, oh, there's that PCW again, and here I am, like, number 10 in the NWA world rankings, and we have to have this, like, sit-down discussion about who's going to go over. We kind of decide, well, let's kind of have a no contest, and, you know, he's like, let's make the mark of the star, man. He's the baby face of, the, of this thing, and, uh, you know, I, I don't mind being the heel, and we'll figure, you know, we'll, like we get it. We threw in some comedy and it kind of worked out, but it was also the beginning of the end at EWF um, for me and that, that crew um, because I was going to go on to NWA. That was Hernandez's plan and he saw me as the potential guy, but it really only happened because, Somebody else kind of messed up, you know, and and uh, tried to work PCW and NWA Southwest at the same time, within the same time period, and um, didn't have a good showing, and I think that limited his push, and they were like, well, let's put Steven there, and really it helped because I worked Hernandez. I think, my first night at NWA, you know, my first match at NWA, and that, uh, or NWA Southwest, and Ken was impressed because, Hernandez did such a great job putting me over um, that it immediately made my value rise to the point where now I'm in Texas heavyweight title contention and quickly winning the title and having this amazing feud with J.P. Black, which will always be a highlight. And I think Rob Moore, who was my personal Jim Ross, um, you know, asked about a venue and then like, working that venue and it's like man Clash of Champions 10 was the first live wrestling event I ever saw and it emanated at Memorial Coliseum in Corpus Christi Texas and that building no longer exists uh, that was the first time I'd ever seen wrestling um you know I think Sting blows out his knee gets jumped out of the horseman there's a cage match he gets pulled off the cage and at that point he, his knee buckles and then they do a quick thing where Rick attacks him, and we find out he blows out his knee like later on, I think, doom, unmasked. But uh, and then uh, maybe a couple years later, I'm having my high school graduation ceremony there. And then in 2002, I'm one of the main matches. I'm in the front, pa- you know front page of, of the local paper, and uh, I'm the hometown hero, and I win the NWA. Texas Segway Championship, and even though the heli was a, a babyface when I walked in there, the J.P. Black was immense. Like, my first feud, like, legitimate feud over matches, you know, over weeks of television and promos and big events, Texas Motor Speedway, and, you know, then the anniversary show where, like, the only real representative of the company, NWA Southwest, as far as that territory goes, and that had, like, a who's who you know, um, by that point, that was probably my second interaction with uh, AJ Styles. And uh, we knew each other at that point. And, uh, you know, that that show was wild. All the international people. Like, I didn't realize Finn Balor was on, was was part of a crew there. Um, otherwise, I would have, you know, definitely been probably said hello or at least paid more attention. But it was such a whirlwind of an event with so much talent, such a lengthy show and it sucks that there's no footage of that anywhere I don't think it's like man that was one of my greatest moments you know it's like this Texas death match that I win uh, JB Black and I mean I hold that title for a bit and I became a dual champion because shortly after I make my PCW debut I surely I win Cruiserweight gold I'm like Cruiserweight champ on one brand and the NWA South uh, Texas heavyweight champion on the other um, and even though NWA Southwest is about to kind of go belly up at the time, I was like, but couldn't do both. Couldn't be that guy. couldn't walk in with both titles at PCW. I had to be just the cruiserweight champion or sexyweight champion with, I deemed it. But I always thought, man, that was a missed opportunity, right? Like I'm the dual champion. Like, dude, I should, you know even though my trajectory was probably where I needed to be and I needed to show that I would do business. And if I was having to adhere to some, well, in this universe, I'm a champion, so I can't really lose. But the way I was losing was kind of indicative of the character I was at the time being a heel like that's, you know, you show that you're uh, overconfident and that's your downfall. Um, But I know early on, you know, I wanted to be part of PCW even before NWA Southwest, and they just wanted me to get more experience, and, you know, I went and got more experience, and then when the time was right, went to them, and that's a whole, you know, that that time frame alone, but those PCW days, the uncut days were... Some of the most amazing, you know, I'm like over throughout my career, but if I look at it now, it's like, they were amazing times. You know, they, they really kind of, uh, every section, whether it was with the kids click to, to being part of the, the, the Hernandez, like Texas takeover mafia crew, whatever we were considered at that point to the elite of Texas, I guess what would have been us, um, to, you know, expanding and, and then winning gold in Underbury Southwest and then at PCW and kind of the gamut that I ran at PCW from a guy that, um, I wasn't really sure of my footing with them to being a Grand Slam champion. Like that's a whole, yeah, I've covered all that. Right. But again, at the time it was, you know, I always thought, Oh, Because I started at 25, you know what, by the time I'm 35, if I haven't made some major strides, uh, I'll probably hang it up. Before, it was like, oh, as long as I, you know, I want to get my first match. But I was, like, trying to be realistic. I'm like, after 35, if I'm not making, like, a significant living doing this. I mean, the love for it is one thing, but I got to be, you know, I got to figure this out. Um but I think around year 5 or 6 like I'm trying to figure out what's what's next. I remember I remember shortly before going to books and why I went to books. Like I cover PCW but here's the truth I want a lot of gold there. I made a lot of memories there. I couldn't cover that in 10 minutes. You know, 5 minutes an hour. It, it probably would be an hour at least. And that's just for like probably the PCW version. And then the uncut version would be a whole nother episode. That's why when I chronicled them, they were different episodes. Cause I know there's a lot I want to say about that period of time, but that's not right now. because so again, it's like 22 years and I'm only on year six and we're, you know, we're 40 minutes in. And I've covered, you know, the the PWA stuff, so it's not like I have to go into amazing detail. But I think, you know, it's important to really talk about uh, an aspect of it that I don't always talk about. I had created the persona of Steve DeMarco when I first came to college in Austin. uh, Because I didn't want to be what I was. In Corpus, I knew that when you, you know, I was going off to school from Corpus to Austin, I wasn't going to know a whole lot of people there, if any, really. And so here was a chance to really kind of reinvent myself, create a, not that I ever really had trouble meeting people or anything like that, but I felt like I could truly branch out, but I needed, I needed it. I guess, in essence, a shield from the shy version of myself. thought I needed an extroverted version, kind of a, um, you know, I didn't have a name for it at the time, but I think it was the beginning of, like, what Steve DeMarco was. Um, I've talked about this before where it's the character's a separate entity from me, but it is me. You know, it's uh, it's just that part of my personality that, is boisterous, needs the applause, you know, needs to be the center of attention. It's not something that I always want to carry, but at the time, you know, it took time to find, to find him, to really find him. And I don't think I had found him truly until that last bit of run at PCW. Um, So prior to that, it was, Oh, here my here are the people that really inspire me. It's like, oh, Shawn Michaels, obviously. Uh, Rick Flair, yes. The Hardy Boys. Oh, from from an aesthetic. Um, I just wanted to be the the worker, but I was starting to realize that there was more to it than the moves. I had learned that probably early on because again, couldn't keep up with Paul, but I needed a personality that was large enough, and so again to create this confident enough persona that could mask any insecurities i had which were constantly going on you know underneath it there was uh, you know a myriad of like i guess for lack of a better term voices that would kind of placate this this doubt or imposter syndrome or anything else and to to fight it you know it's like be Steve Demarco, and as Steve Demarco, I could do, or as Demarco, um, which was crystallized by my buddy Eddie, who was like, "That's Demarco, that charm, that wit, that that quickness, uh, the the gift of gab. This that the that's Demarco. That guy is is Demarco. Um, you just got to be that, and turn it up, and." Um, You know, but again, I didn't really know. I, I thought PCW was going to be my peak, right? At some point, I think when I win, by the time I win the heavyweight championship, I think I'm like, okay, I, could, oh, I can carry this company. So much so that I'll be running uncut simultaneously and, and um, it will not hurt me, you know, and, and then realizing, well, I'm quickly going to burn myself out and not realizing I was quickly burning myself out until it was um, too late in some senses. And by then, it's like to overcompensate, I wanted to see what else I could do in the industry. Because PCW was weekly. With Uncut, it was twice a week. It was all the time. And um, I will say this. uh, At one point within PCW... Prior to leaving, this was probably 2005. So it was, you know, it was probably six months before I left. I had to move quickly out of um, a place I was living at, and so I placed a call to my friend Lala, someone who I had been who I had been mentoring and training and coaching, but um, she was street team at this point. And, uh, I was like, man, I got to move where I'm at and I got to move like now, like I can't keep my stuff here. And she was like, I you. Gotcha. And within maybe 30 minutes, there was a team of people, the street team. They all came, moved my, moved my stuff out of my apartment, out of that current residence and moved it to a new residence for the time being. Um... But I remember like, wow, at that, you know, I, I want to say at the peak when I was winning PCW Russell of the Year, it's like, okay, well, what's next? Um, I started to inquire, you know, like, could I make it on a big level, on a big stage, on a bigger stage? You know, now I had some TV experience, now I've been putting shows together, my brain was was trying to look at the the show as a whole. and uh, But at the same time, you know, I also was in burnout mode, um, dealing with injuries, and um, also a, a case of an ego, you know, that was, like, I knew I was good. I, I really thought, you know, that DeMarco was, I was starting to find it. Um, and I think when you find it, lock into it, you know, things happen. And one of the things is that, that ego, cause that's really what's the main core of DeMarco. I think you feed it, um, you kind of become problematic if you can't check it. And I wasn't checking it cause I wasn't taking time off. I, I think you tell talent now, you know, like if you're in the thick of it, try to find it at least one day a week where you're not in it. Try to find those quiet moments where, you can find peace within or whatever, you know, meditation or whatever have you. But at the time it was like, man, just get out of your own head for, for a day. Uh, don't be that character for a day. And, you know, that was my way of being like, I did that. I was that guy like seven days a week all the time. Um, Cause that was always on most of my run at PCW. Once I got into my, you know, rhythm, I guess, and, after the title wins and you know suffering some 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 injuries that felt like they could be career-ending as far back as like 2006, and I think that even prompted. I think my title run at PCW also prompted. Like I'm not going to be able to do this forever, so I need to figure out what's next. And if I'm really that talented, then I need to go to the next level. You know, I should have gone to Sean's Sean Michaels' school. I should have been part of that should have gone to ROH. You know, I could stay here at PCW or I could, you know, I was doing like seminars, you know, in essence, tryouts and getting noticed, but, you know, it's like what to do. And I thought books was the, the answer. And I've chronicled that and I'm sure I'll chronicle all of that at a later time. And, um, I just remember that point, um, Paul was in WWE. I had friends who were in developmental. Russell was uh, coaching, I think, at, at OVW. Um, so he was kind of in. Um, you know, Eddie Craven was getting looked at, I think, every so often. And um, you know, I'd see certain guys on Sunday night here. Like, you know, they would get on, on – on the list and be able to be doing extra work. And I wasn't. And I was like, man, what? Maybe I'm not that as good as I think. And then, um, I would go to shows. I remember doing one show where I made an appearance in Austin. it was just a mic appearance. And I was basically sitting in the audience and, um, the guy sees me in the audience like, Oh shit, Steve DeMarco brings me in. And we kind of exchange verbal, jabs and i'm able to kind of quickly without really giving it a whole lot of thought like shut them down kind of rare form i think i kind of only knew i was going to do that before the show like right they're like you you would you be cool with doing something i was like yeah sure i guess talking or whatever um i remember the, the a friend of mine that went with me was like i mean you could go against anybody on the mic I don't think there's anybody really out there, and I mean they they knew other people, you know, people that were getting noticed, you know, guys like Punk and um, Daniel and Ryan, and a few others, you know, Ryan and a few others. Um, it's like why aren't you? You should be. That's where you should be. And I, like, well, I don't know, you know, like, I didn't see myself there yet, but. Then I started to see myself there. And I was like, well, where should I go? I remember asking a few people, and again, I've chronicled that. Um, I mean, for the most part, the move to Houston initially proved pretty fruitful. It was exactly what I needed. Uh, at that point, I was able to travel back and forth. I was able to go to Austin, a few other places, and you know, getting spend time with with people that had, you know, like Paul, I got to spend time with him. So getting to see him then, as opposed to when we first started and kind of, you know, where our lives had taken us, getting to have these good conversations with him where I could pick his brain was was always great. But again, you know, I always knew like in many respects, I dropped the ball when it came to my times in the ring with Paul, which I felt like in some respects kind of soured our relationship. I always felt like, I always wish we had been, remained closer. And there were points where I felt like, oh man, we can almost get there again. And then I, we'd kind of part ways for a bit. But at that point I was talking to him, like anybody, people that were going to get signed, you know, like Lance had been signed for a bit and plenty of stuff. And there was a part of me that thought if I was given an opportunity on a big stage, you know, I think I, I could really... I could do pretty well. Yeah, I, d- I definitely could, oh man, if I got signed by w- WWE, what, what could I do? But again, how to get there. Um, and again, as I've said, initially that felt like a very positive situation. Uh, I got the rest I needed and got to train, got to feel like a student again. Um, when I worked Dog Cheatham, you know, I worked DuMaga, that first PWA show, uh, you know, it got like the ringing endorsement, like film study, it was, book was all about it. I think that February, you know, Tasted a Little Humble Pie in January, but by February I was, if you had talked to me then, if I was doing this at that point, I would have told you, well, the next few months are going to be interesting. Cause I think I'm going to, you know, think I'm close. I think the right people are going to see me. I'm about to start doing this YouTube stuff. Got this girl. that's going to, you know, be my co-host, co-star. And, you know, they're really going to see Steve DeMarco. I thought that was what was missing at my time at PWA was that I wasn't able to be like that version of Steve DeMarco at PWA. I wasn't allowed. I, I didn't feel like I was sexy Steve DeMarco. I was just Steve DeMarco. But, you know, I could be DeMarco, like just larger than life. You know, I've talked about March 2007, the days leading up. Um, it's always going to be and again, we're 52 minutes in. I hate to give y'all a running thing. You're probably looking at the timer. Um, and we're just there. So let's... After 2007, you know, my career uh, was different in many ways. I always kind of go, well, man, Leo. prior to that, I had been wrestling Jesus, <laughs> you know, like, but it, that appears not on the cutting room floor. It didn't even appear in the deleted scene. Um uh, for a cult classic and idiocracy, but um, I still hadn't, and I'd had done some great stuff at PCW, but I still hadn't quite gotten my. And you know, as early as 2005, I was probably feeling the effects of like what this industry could do from a physicality standpoint, and I had gotten my bell rung. You know, I don't think I'll ever be able to do a backflip because of something I did in Humble, Texas for TASW against Hernandez, of all people. Um, A jarring reminder of, like, protect yourself. And in some respects, I did protect myself and still came out with a certain sense of, like, you know, I'm never going to be the same or, you know, something in North Richland Hills for NWA Southwest where... Again, wrestling Hernandez and taking a guardrail in my body, like my torso still going, but my lower back and hips remaining at the guardrail. Um, stuff that I still deal with to this day, you know, certain, certain things. And the fact that, you know, I don't think I'll ever be able to teach myself because my brain will, like, probably shut off if I try to, go too far back, Um, but still, um, I will say this, you know, I, I became really creative once I moved to Houston, and shortly after, 2001, 2008, 2009. 2010, you know, stuff with IWE and, which, you know, becoming friends with certain people like the IWE crew. Man, I was just like the embodiment. If you look at everyone that was on that roster, they were like my Wu-Tang Clan. Like I always wanted a Wu-Tang Clan and also, uh, you know, like Slipknot so that you could do two characters, right? You could do a mass character and also do like your your personal, your own personal character. Um so there was plenty of, you know, intermingling and whatnot. But uh, that IWE crew, like another special time, another special crew, much like the, you know, and I could go on and on, but oof. A lot of stories. After parties alone, but again, it was a great time when I think back, no matter how stressed I was, or burnt out I felt, or unappreciated unappreciated, or falling out with promoters or falling, you know, getting randomized heat and not understanding like why the business has to work that way or why, why are certain things unspoken? Why don't we talk about certain things? Why don't we talk about pay more? Why don't we really get down to the nitty gritty? Why are there politics? Like, you know, why does a writer have the ability to get pissed off and like punish you and change stuff? (laughs) You know, this whole like, You know, all the bad that comes with it in many ways. Um, A lot of the underappreciation, a lot of the uh, dues you'll pay throughout. Um, And in my case, you know, a lot of times how I try to not look at it so much because it would, especially after 2007, you know, I had a dark skew on a lot of it. And so it made... You know, I kind of felt like, you know, I lost whatever, in some ways, you know, I felt like I had lost something for that period. But within creating stuff and still getting like, even that was, you know, always came with its pitfalls. But the good always outweighed the bad, you know, whether it was the camaraderie with, with certain folks or sharing the locker room or or the road trips or the performance aspect or you know again all the little intricacies within it and being able to be creative and work on projects and kind of try to think outside the box with certain things and yet still like playing catch up in many ways um always trying to figure out man, how can I get to the next level? Uh, Especially as I'd have such success wherever I would go and be seen as, you know, a legitimate um, talent. You know, someone that people felt like I was solid or beyond solid. You're great. (laughs) You know, like, oh man, you're a you're a Texas legend. It's like, what? I don't, really? Am I? I don't know. You know, I've covered and I will cover in depth a lot of like from the time after Uh reality of wrestling like I've covered a lot of that I could say hey, look I'll talk about 2020 but 2020 is really the focus for me was <clears throat> injured and worldwide pandemic but most importantly my son was born and priorities shifted when I started training to become a wrestler I was single. When relationships started to become part of the formula, I knew that if I ever really settled down with someone, I don't think I could do something where I travel and they weren't able to be part of that or it took so much time. Like, that would not be fair to whoever I was married to. And don't even think about having a family if I'm going to be traveling. Like, I didn't want to be that. And so for a long time, I, I closed myself off to certain personal things. And again, now in 2007, it's like, oh, I started looking at the benefit of having a job with benefits. And so that kind of changed my overall approach of things or my pursuit. Um, and I, I think it wasn't until like 2018 Whereas I'm like, well, you know, if I'm going to write off in the sunset, then I've got to figure out what the next thing is. And I still want to be viable in case I want to do training or this, that, the other, because that's realistically what I wanted to do or what I felt like I was going to transition to. Because I'd always been doing that, I mean, since six months in, being training people and found that I really enjoyed that part. You know, the character development part really found great enjoyment in that. Um, but I always also looked at the pitfalls of this being my love and things within wrestling taking priority because it took priority even over finances. And, you know, you don't necessarily want to treat it like a business, but you quickly find that it is a business. And if you don't treat it as such, well, then it's never going to be it. Um, you know, by the time we get to 2020, like I had found this rejuvenation and wanting to perform with with GSL and wanting to be, you know, because the group was so special to me, um, I just wanted it to keep going. And we were starting to pick up steam. So I, you know, by the time we get to 2020, it's like, It was a far cry from 2018 because I was probably at the end of my, you know, I was probably burnt out again, like, uh, you know, secretly, even though I was trying to pursue um, added responsibilities at Reality Wrestling, it was still, like, probably my, like, Hail Mary to, like, continue to want to do it in, in that capacity. Um but then shortly after the group was formed, you know, we get into 2020 and the kind of the momentum and such, and then the injury, freakish inju- injury, as they all are often, um, not the worst thing that's ever happened to me, but definitely put a lot of things in perspective. Once the pandemic hit, it was just a matter of timing as far as I was concerned. And again, once my wife, who had really come back into my life, um, although she was always in my life in some capacity, but she became in the forefront you know, in, in 2018. So it was just so crazy how my life and wrestling seemed to be on this upward trajectory. And she loved it and uh, was such a big fan of it. And, you know, it was great to just see her reactions to stuff. And, um again yeah, I chronicled cron- cron- all that. What 2020 taught me from a wrestling standpoint was it prepared me for retirement. You know, finally retiring. Um, because it's very much been the case you know I whether it was me taking time away because I used to every year like look back and be like oh man you know how where am I at and where am I going and do I still want to do this is it still fun you know is it still my main focus And it was till about 2018 <laughs> you know, Like, well now you know the GSL run was important to me but honestly once I got married that was You know, my wife had told me not that she would have, you know, because I know she was really supportive, but had there been an issue, I mean, could have easily walked away then kind of in the midst of it Uh, with the pandemic. It, again, brought a lot of things into perspective and gave, took it out of my hands and took it out of my decision-making, took, took a uh, you know, decision-making out of a lot of people's, you know. Um, but it prepared me, you know, on many different fronts. And surprisingly, you know, it made me like, okay, if this is, this is probably how it's going to be, am I okay with this? And I was, cause my priorities had, had shifted tremendously and the pandemic helped probably in the sense of it, you know, I didn't have to, again, think about it. My focus was home. Um, you know, it's funny, like November of last year, I was like, "Oh, I'll talk about why wrestling on an episode. And that that covered like what drove me with wrestling. And at the time, I really was, and I'm still unsure, you know, in some respects, because um, while I've appeared, it's not like I've, you know, actually been in a match and it's going on a little bit of time and I have to figure out, you know, those logistics and um, I'm not really, like, putting out there, that oh, I want to wrestle a lot because I don't know how much time at this moment that I want to give to it. I still, you know, my body still needs to heal, but the truth is that I'm misperforming and the camaraderie and uh, my experiences as of late, the most recent, you know, experiences with UPW have been really genuinely positive on a lot of different fronts and I'm happy with it. And so, that's all I can really hope for, for at this point in my time within the industry is that in year 22, I'm still able to perform or captivate an audience or engage them. You know, and I'm curious about that stuff. And if I were to look at myself from an outsider perspective of like, OK, what could I do to make myself more um, well known within the industry because that's what you want. You know, if you've done this long enough, you know you want to build a legacy, and you want that legacy to to continue throughout. And uh, yeah, you can say, well, I don't really care about it, but I've gotten to kind of see what my career or what my life would be like without wrestling on a constant basis, and also kind of how quickly you can, you know feel like you're forgotten until you get some positive voices and some people remind you that you're not and that you're wanted and that you're you know people want you to be part of projects and such or want you to be part of this industry or you're welcome back or whatever have you and at this point it's like well I don't want to ruin anything I don't want to spoil anything I don't want to I also just want to be a phenomenal performer and and do really well in the performance standpoint and show that I can you know still compete with with whoever and um, live up to a lot of what the positive you know stuff that is said about me you know to me or about me I'm always humbled and appreciative of anyone who speaks highly of me or speaks well of me um it's it's great to hear um and I'm lucky in a sense that people are sharing their thoughts of me when when I do interact with them. Um, I do reach out to people plenty of times and try to congratulate them on stuff. And if they respond, it's great. And if they don't, well, hey, I wanted you to know that I thought, you know, congratulations were in order. Um, you know, what I would tell anyone... Getting into it now is uh, quickly build whatever brand it is, so that that would probably win out. If you want to go to a major company, or if it for no other reason than you're uh, getting to record the memories of doing this in any in any capacity for no other reason than to have a record of it. Um, I wish I had a record of all of it. You know, how many matches I've had. You know, I, I know there's a database out there with matches, but it, it starts for me in 2002 and it doesn't, I don't think it covers everything and it's not totally, uh, there are a couple of mistakes, but, you know, at least there's there's a record of it. I used to kind of jot stuff down and some, I've got some some notes and calendars and such, but I know I didn't keep up with it. I have a lot of footage. And I don't know what to do with it. And I have it in different mediums. Um, I've thought at some point maybe going through all of it um, and, and doing something with it. But it's it's a lot. Which is saying a lot. Because it's been like a full career. You know, 22 years of my life. Or plus at this point. Um, Cause I've wanted to be part of the industry from an early age and I'm, I'm tickled that I'm still part of it in some capacity that there are people that want to hear what I have to say, the people like you that have taken the time to, to listen to this. Um, I think halfway through this I came to the realization, well I can't cover everything. I know there's going to be, I have chronicling um, videos on YouTube that cover maybe the first 12 years of my career. So there's those. I probably will revisit, you know, these periods of time in my life as, as I see fit, maybe, you know, maybe I'll, uh, I'll think of a major moment or, you know, again, I could like, I don't know what the next episode is going to be. Um, I'm not going to be talking about like preparing for anything because I don't think I'm doing anything till June and that's not even official just yet. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I hope you enjoyed this, this stroll. Um, It's crazy to think, you know, that that I've been in it this long and that I've also, um, you know, still have people that, that approach me about stuff that I've done and are complimentary of it or that I, you know, again, that I'm still in it. There have been plenty of points throughout my life and throughout, you know, my career where it could have easily been over. And, um, I'm just thankful that, that I'm even in pain here and there, that I'm able to kind of still maneuver and, lift my kid and hug my wife and, uh, that, you know, the, the positive comments that I get, the respect that I'm shown, uh, when I do come into a locker room, um, it's, uh, it's very humbling. So I appreciate everyone who's had any part in my career, whether you were a fan or part of the machine that I was a part of, or, Uh, we stood across the ring from each other or you know we were partners or any of it any of those memories that you know there's so many out there Um, and I'm sure at some point I'll cover some of it but for now happy Russellversary to me happy Russellversary to any of you that are celebrating those or have celebrated those and until the next time I hope I see you on down the road